The date is Friday, November 12th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. This episode is all about one of my favorite things to talk about, trains. We'll explore the hobby known as rail fanning, the history of railroads in the United States, and tell some tall tales about bravery and heroism from a time when steam locomotives ruled the rails. So enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always, I am one of your uh, conductors on this entertainment train. I'm Alex. Uh, I'm Nick. And not as always, I'm Chloe. Okay, we did that wrong. So I wasn't sure where to go because Michael wasn't there, and I was Michael's like, "Michael's usually yeah. the middle bit. Something's <laughs> happening. Something's happening." Michael, Michael, hello, guys. Man, I, I don't think I he's think here. He, he came down with the sickness. <laughs> get, oh, up, no. get up! Get <laughs> up! No, I heard your mother's it. down with the sickness, dude. Which what? one? <laughs> Whose mom are you what? talking about? Doesn't matter either way. Um. <laughs> It's another week. Michael is unfortunately ill, and him being the bassy baritone of the group, he will be missed this week. But if he doesn't have a voice, turns out he can't do a podcast. It's kind of crazy how the math works there. But yeah, if you don't have a voice, then basically you you cannot participate in this form of art, which is ridiculous. And I think we should find some way around that in the future. Someone should start developing that. Uh, yeah, but in, in the meantime, we can... Uh, we can maybe grab his voice from a different episode and we can have him say the deep part of entertain this right now. Entertain this. All right, cool. So now he was kind of here. I'm doing my uh, best. You know what? You did great, but we do need that little touch of baritone like like Salt Bay who sprinkles it on. My voice doesn't go that deep, so it's a real problem. Well, you, yeah, have, no, and you have a soprano voice now to... To be on the other end of the spectrum. Are you actually a soprano? Is that true? Um, I'm a mezzo-soprano. Oh, okay. What's that mean? I'm going to pretend what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in between alto and soprano. Oh, okay. I can kind of do whatever I want, so I just call myself a mezzo. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> learned something new today. Fair enough. We're going to learn a lot of new stuff today, I have to assume, because we finally broke and we're letting Nick do his dream episode. Because we're <laughs> a podcast that encapsulates all things entertainment, and this is how Nick gets most of his entertainment. So I'm going to give it over to Nick uh, and let him take over. Uh, so I pass you the conductor's cap now. Choo-choo. That's... We can I'm edit in one of those. Hat. Yeah, but I guess kind of you're the conductor. We want to get technical about it. Are you the engineer? I'm wearing an engineer's hat, so I figure, you know. Okay, and the metaphor of this podcast being a, a locomotive of some sort. Yeah. What does, what's the, or if I'm the conductor. Yep. Then what are you? I'm driving the train. I'm the engineer. Great. And I'm That's, a passenger. <laughs> oh, no. Poor thing. We surely will crash. <laughs> uh, the conductor's job is to manage all the paperwork on the train so bill of lading all that kind of stuff filling out forms so you're good pretty boring job I'm good <laughs> but anyways <laughs> first of many technicalities that I hope to avoid on this podcast but let me just start off with a general question here can the machines that we use to do our jobs have some sort of sentimental value sure I find myself feeling fond towards robots 
robots. Now I didn't say yeah. that. But not like the Boston surely, Dynamics ones that could like kick your head off, but like the little ones are like that are like the only ones. I brought you food. Yeah, and they're like dog like. Yeah. They they piddle pedal on the little Everybody had a robot dog when they were a kid. That's true. The Irish <laughs> the the, the <laughs> eye dogs. Flipsy <laughs> from Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. If there is entertainment value in this topic. Well done, Nick. Okay. <laughs> we're only five minutes in. Someone's in a mood. Right, well, that's the episode, guys. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for listening. I'm Alex doing the outro. I don't know what he says. <laughs> Anyways, let's take that that metaphor, if we could, maybe just a step further. Have you ever given names to inanimate objects around your house? Be honest. Yes. <laughs> yeah? What is it? <laughs> many, many times. Um... Are you allowed to say it in the podcast? <laughs> don't be I gave gross my, i gave my first car a name to get away from that subject i feel like everybody names their car um i name yeah. like my stuffed animals you yeah. know pretty standard stuff right i named my car uh ravi because it's a it's a toyota a rav4 4. I knew it. yeah um ravi malik <laughs> there's a couple other things around the house for giving names to you. like my plant my uh mm-hmm. my desk plant his name's phil that's a good name. But he's kind of he's kind of an animate object, I guess. If you want to get technical about it, but he's a plant. So he does breathe. He do be breathing though. That's like the one thing <laughs> he do be breathing though. <laughs> but okay, let's keep those answers in our mind as we as move on down the line here, because you, dear listener, is about to be a passenger on this podcast train through time and space as we talk about these lumbering beasts on steel wheels, known as trains. So you know I like them. You guys have known ever since our fabled Disney episode, but I've liked trains ever since I was two feet tall. Maybe even shorter than that, too. It was our Disney episode where that meme started? It was, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's where it started. (laughs) But you could just say it's one of my oddball quirks that I have, sure. But if you stop to think about why I might have such a strange hobby or get a thrill from watching train videos on YouTube... They're just a method of transportation after all. So I went out and I did some soul searching, uh, some deep reflection to figure out why. Oh, so you didn't already know. I No, I had no clue. I was like, why do I like trains? <laughs> I couldn't figure out why. I got an answer now. So Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> you did some soul searching and finally figured out why you like trains? That's it. Okay. We'll Let's get to do it. it. We'll get to it. But I know that I'm not alone in this hobby in this quest to see all the trains of the world. Rail enthusiasts are known as rail fans. Walt Disney was one of them. Oh, we can come up with a better name than that. No, that's it. There's foamers. What about trackophiles? No. <laughs> There's What's a cool a foamer? one. A foamer? Um, that refers to when people see trains, they like foam at the mouth because they get so excited. What about I'm dead serious. What about, what about steamers? No, that's a that's a type of slang name for a train. Uh, train spotters. Yeah, okay, what about what about steamies? <laughs> look, ew, look, it's not bad. It, it's a oh look, ooh, it's a bunch of steamies. Ugh, ew. <laughs> you hear about that steamy convention that's going on? Oh yeah, steamy. all those weirdos and their and their locomotive cosplays. <laughs> I heard the I guy who voiced Topham Hat's gonna be down there. <laughs> I think that's what we're going for now. So you're a steamy, and we can. I'm a, I'm a steamy. Okay. Yeah, we can we can move forward from there. 
Rail fans, other rail fans that I haven't mentioned uh, are Johnny Cash, Neil Young, Rod Stewart, and a whole bunch of other celebrities that you probably wouldn't expect, but they all have these model train layouts in their basements <laughs> or probably in their mansions. Be I bet famous people can afford the dopest train sets. They really can. Go check out Rod Stewart's model train layout. <laughs> if you got you some time that, to spend. <laughs> now that you say that, Johnny Cash did write a lot of songs about trains. He did. Hearing yeah. about trains. We all like them trains. But rail fannings is a rail fanning is a umbrella term for people like me who get their thrill off of varying degrees of interaction and obsession with trains. For instance, there are some that like to chase a particular locomotive across the country. Some just like the photograph locomotives from a particular railroad in a specific part of the U.S. Some just like to see them whenever they can. And my personal interaction as an rail fan is another thing that we can get to later. And spoiler alert, I've done a lot of things and sunk a large amount of time into looking at and researching all different kinds of locomotives, railroads, and local historical connections. So, Can I take a moment just to say you're a weirdo, and that's weird. <laughs> I just want to be... I want to be the voice of our fan base here and just say, this is off. This is a for something weird. for some for an episode that's going to be completely on track. This is this is off. This is off. This is off the beaten path. It is. I would admit Let's it. talk about trains. I'm excited. <laughs> you could say it's on the other side of the tracks. OK, that's true. That's um, I looked up not to regress, but I did Google Rod Stewart's model train. And oh, my God, it belongs in a museum. It's so beautiful. <laughs> what the hell? See, there's a certain art to this form. I'm not yeah. just out here being a weirdo to defend myself, to get defensive right off the bat. <laughs> I'm not weird. You are. Uh, <laughs> We're all a little bit. Everyone's a little crazy. Uh, but in the, in the name of our podcast, it might suggest that there's a certain entertainment value to trains. And maybe, maybe throughout this episode, I can convince somebody to entertain this. <laughs> That's a that's a pun I'm not proud of. Or perhaps even understand what my deal is with trains at the very least. So you guys coming on my train? I got to ask. I'm hopping on that origin story train. Okay. You said inner train this, right? Yeah, I did. I said it once. You think Michael's flying to wherever we're going? You think he can <laughs> grab me a seat? <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, out. Yeah, I'm on. Let's, let's go. All aboard! Watch my ticket. <laughs> Punch your ticket. <laughs> We've already yep. done this bit before. All right. I'm not going to punch your ticket again. Wait, what's my what? ticket say this time? <laughs> okay. Punch it. It's, what's it say? Okay, the first two letters are B and E. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, no. It's a long ticket. It's believe. That's basic, man. I set you, you up for such a good joke, and you gave me the exact Polar Express thing. I was going to... Here, here was give, me do... the hat. Give, give me the hat. Give me the okay. hat. Give me the whole punch. Give me the hat. Give me the whole punch. Okay, I want my okay, ticket now. to say balls. Ba <laughs> Why? Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, give me your ticket. Okay. Here you, here you go. Okay. What does it say, Alex? It, right now, it only has three letters, and you're going to get the other three when you learn your life lesson and you complete your hero's journey. But right now, the three letters are D, E, and U. D, E, and U. Okay, I'll have to think yeah. about that. Okay. At the end of our voyage, at the end of this episode, I'll finish punching your ticket. Just remind me. Okay. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> 
so let me ask, did you guys ever have any experiences with trains growing up? I had a toy train set when I was a kid uh, that we put up around Christmas time, as is, I think, tradition for oh, a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, it is. Um, we have a, a train-themed park near where I grew up, and I played on it a couple times. Really? Yeah. And it was like a playground that was built to look like a train. And then trains <laughs> oh, I passed think as you played. Yeah, that's nice. You guys never rode on uh, trains or? You have to talk in? about the fact that you used to go to the train station with your grandpa. It was, it, it got turned into a museum, but yeah, we went yeah. to mm-hmm. Union Terminal a lot. Um, I think that's it for me. Hmm. I've ridden on a few trains. Um, I don't know if subways count, but I've ridden a number of those. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we did like a replica Polar Express thing when I was like 15. Um, and my brothers were really little and they had hot chocolate and it was snowing and it was very sweet. Did they sing? No singing. You hate Is the it? Polar Express. Correct. <laughs> but that's only because my little brother watched it 100,000 times and now I hate it. <laughs> did you hate it when you were 15 and on it? No. Oh, was it was it was it actually a steam train at the front? I just have to ask. I think so. It's it's hard to remember because that was a decade ago. But um, yeah, 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 it was a real train. It, it went places, so I have to assume <laughs> it did go places. So it had to be a. <laughs> it's hard to remember. I guess those memories aren't as hard etched in your brain as they are in mine. <laughs> I definitely more remember the hot chocolate. <laughs> mm. Was it good hot chocolate? I hope it was, it was. really good. Mm. Like melted down cocoa. Have you ever maybe stood by some tracks as a train was approaching and got that like rumble of the ground as it shakes beneath you? I've been in a car, but I've never been bold enough to be there like just yeah, by like myself. three feet from the main line. <laughs> no. Stay, stay away from trains, okay? They can be dangerous, guys. I hear rumors of people putting pennies on train tracks so that the pennies get bent. That does happen. You can do that. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do it. <laughs> It flattens out the penny. It doesn't actually derail the train. So don't don't try and derail trains. That's bad. That's, That's terrible. Bad. So why do you guys think that I like trains? Or do you want me to skip right to the origin story? <laughs> I know I, why you like... You, I've asked you why you like trains before and you've told me because we're friends who talk outside of this podcast. So like I'm interested in your interests. Okay. I've asked you why you like trains and I think I actually know the answer. So I will defer to <laughs> Chloe to take a guess. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um... I mean, my best guess is that sometime in your formidable childhood years, you had a cool experience with the train and it just kind of lodged in your psyche as like being a positive experience. And then later you were like, yes, when I think about this thing, it makes me happy. I don't know why, but it does. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty close to it. It's hard to point to one particular experience that I had with trains that was like, oh, now I get it. Now I'm a rail fan. Now I'm a steamy Whatever you call me before, Alex. It does sound a little dirty when you say it now, right? I like Railhead better. Oh, Railhead's real good. Railhead, yeah. yeah. You can call him whatever. I don't care. It I sounds a little I... sexual, but what, what are you going to do? Railhead. <laughs> That's probably a, a thing you can look up on our dictionary. Um, I'm not going to. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> Loco, locomophile. Locomotive. Okay, so there's a really long word. It's called ferroequinologist that refers to people that study trains. Mm. It it comes from Latin ferro meaning iron, and then equinologist meaning horse. I think we're getting derailed here, folks. (laughs) Um, I enjoy fun facts. 
Yeah, so there you go. There's your little Latin tidbit for the day. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll fi- I finally cave. This is why I think trains are entertaining to me. I need to explain to everyone. I, ha- I, I have to get this out into the world. In the rail fan community, everyone gets involved for their own particular set of reasons. Usually it's one particular event or maybe a family member worked for a railroad. But surely there is something unknown and undeniable about things that attract us to trains. So it's hard for me to really put put a pin on it. But maybe it's the fact that they're just large and loud. And what triggers something primal within us other than large and loud beasts in front of us? Uh, I'm really not sure. But the root of my rail fanning obsession is undoubtedly Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what I thought it was. <laughs> Remember? Remember yeah, how we you, were talking you, about how objects can be given You told me names? that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, one year we celebrated your birthday, and if I remember correctly, you got a homemade cake with a Thomas the Tank Engine on I did. top of it. That's true. Yeah, that I happened. still have that train upstairs yep. somewhere. That's good. Because <laughs> you had like a little toy. Uh, yeah, Thomas a little toy there. Thomas up there. Sitting yep. on top, wishing you a happy birthday. Well, Thomas has a lasting legacy because when I worked in elementary school, there was a kid in the class who loved Thomas. Hmm. He's still still very much relevant. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Now they're doing like the thing where the, he looks kind of cartoony and anime-ish. They gave him the Blue's Clues treatment. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. Gotta say. I'm a Thomas purist back when they had like the filming of the little Right. Oh, so cute. Good stuff. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, we can go into a little bit about the history of Thomas, if if you guys would like. It was uh, created by a Reverend Wilbert Audrey in a series of books called The Railway Series. It was first published in 1947. It started out by him telling stories about the railway engines to his son, Christopher, who had recently been stricken with measles and was on bed rest. And isn't it great how he nearly eradicated measles with vaccines? I sure hope that doesn't change. <laughs> uh, but I love the stories and personalities of the trains when I watched what these books would become Decades later in the 90s, I, I loved all the struggles they had, their relationships, their their hard work, gets you success type of parable. And they were each all very useful engines. They all had a job to do. Thomas, Percy, Toby, James, Edward, Gordon, all those names are just etched into my memory. But at the end of the day, it's really hard for me to say why I liked Thomas the Tank Engine so much, because honestly, that was all when I was a kid. And I was thinking kid thoughts with a kid brain. Uh, but for some reason, Thomas was extra sticky in my brain. <laughs> And I can even remember there was a birthday of mine where I can remember having a, a Thomas cake too. And, and another birthday recently where I had the same thing, but this time it was a delicious carrot cake baked by a friend of the show. Uh, We're nurturing Jade. our inner child. Yeah. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> it kind of led me to the thought of trains being my love language. And I'll explain to that. I'll explain it as we go on because I know it's a little weird, but everybody knew what to get me. For, for my birthday as a kid, it was just Thomas, this or that, or trains or something adjacent to that. And I ate it up. I loved every birthday. <laughs> I was like, what train am I going to get this time? But, you know, it just happens. I kind of told everyone growing up in my grade school classes that I wanted to be a train engineer. I wrote stories in my second grade class about steam engines and their drivers and how they would go across the rails. And I'd watch episodes of Thomas and these old VHSs over and over and over again. For hours on end, they would take me out to ride trains, my my parents and other family figures, but they'd take me out any anytime there was a train in town, they'd take me and they'd go see it. And I used to look at all the models, the little model trains too. And I can even remember there was a the restaurant my babysitters would take me to that had like a, I don't know how big it was, but it was maybe 
that big and it went around the train, the model train went around the, the, the ceiling. You know, I used to go to a restaurant called the Back 40 Junction in Indiana. As you know, Indiana's a big um, oh, yeah. train state. And there was always like the front part of a train outside and you could go inside and explore it. And they had like model trains running all around the restaurant. Oh, man. Just kind of sparked a memory for me. Yeah, it's great. So see, you had more uh, trains than just that one time you went onto the Polar Express, which I'm a little <laughs> jealous of. But <laughs> nowadays, I'd say my obsession has kind of matured. And maybe I have too, arguably. But now that I have the means to go places all by myself and see things, I've chosen to do so. So my area of interest and expertise are steam locomotives and U.S. history, which shouldn't surprise you. You've been on the podcast long enough. So we can even break that down a little bit more. Do you guys know why they're called steam locomotives? Because their engines run on steam. Okay. That's, yeah. that's good. Power. That's good. That's good. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's true. So it's not hard to <laughs> well, figure out. that was out. an easy question. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Do you I, know you what know, hydropower means? Uh, hydroponics? No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Hooked on phonics. Next question. Hooked on hydro. Chronics. I don't know. Um, <laughs> hydro homies should rename themselves Hydro Chronics right now. Okay, we can move forward. <laughs> I, I do identify as a member of that community too. Uh, drink water, people. It's very important. But you can look at one of these steam locomotives, and it's really not hard to figure out how they work. It, there, you have all these machinery bits, the tubes, and the pipes just displayed on the outside of the locomotive. And I think that's pretty cool just to watch it move and, you know, spin the wheels with the big old rod. But there's this certain thing about steam locomotives that really attracts people to them. And I think part of that is because they're very human machines and that might sound weird to say. So, uh, with a big old whistle with a big old whistle. I mean, there's something about the whistle too, because nowadays trains, you hear them all the time going down whatever uh, road you drive down. It's just honk, mm-hmm. honk. It's boring. Get the whistles whistles are up? the way to go. Where are the whistles? Are they not loud enough? Where are the whistles? So the whistles are actually powered by the steam the engine makes. So it's only steam engines have whistles. Yep. Yep. Um, I told you this the other day when I saw you in person, Nick, but I work right next to a uh, like a railroad track that goes both ways. And the other day a train went by and its whistle was like a little song. It was a little tune. And I was like, hmm. how is that possible? I don't know. I'll just speak with the railroad foreman on that. On Please, that. I'd love to know. <laughs> What's the deal with your train horn? It's not standard. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I was I was deep in sleep when I was awoken by a train whistle playing Despacito. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's personal train plays Despacito as its whistle. <laughs> plays the thomas theme and we all know it that song's a banger i don't care where you're where you're coming from especially Anyways. when they got biggie smalls up there as a feature <laughs> featuring thomas biggie the Dank smalls. engine look it up you're, you're welcome you're welcome drop it in the show notes you're, you're missing out if you don't hear that uh, <laughs> anyways steam engines are very human machines because it takes three hours to even get the smallest ones ready for work Eight hours for the larger ones, much like a human. Um, the chugging sound that they make is almost likened to an athlete breathing heavy. They need food, albeit in the form of oil or coal, and water, just like we do. Uh, they require near constant maintenance after every day of work. 
They need humans to keep them going or they'll just stop working. Much like you or I, we have to brush our teeth or comb our hair. Uh, steam engines have to have, have their ash pans removed and their smoke boxes cleared. Um, and we obviously need the contact of another human being to keep us going in some way. But in many ways, this era of steam locomotives serves as the antithesis for our current digital age. Nowadays, everything is very sleek. And to accomplish a task, all you have to do is push a button or drag and drop a file somewhere. In the steam era, locomotive cabs were cluttered with these complicated knobs and valves, and engineers and firemen had to have the experience and the know-how to coax the most horsepower out of their machines. Any rail yard across the country those days could be, see, could be seen with these billowing clouds of smoke and steam, and hear the whistles and clanging bells and cars smashing into each other in bells for miles. Nowadays, thankfully, we have a world that's gone electric and carbon net zero and emissionless, which, you know, I think is a lot better than what we had before. But there's something really special about steam locomotives, despite their terrible environmental impact, or just the fact that they're a novelty. They're not something you see every day. Yes, you can watch videos all day long, but until you've actually seen one of these in person, it's hard to really understand or put into words. And to the point of history, you know, you know how I said steam locomotives in history, that's, that's what draws me to railroads. Yes. Yep. Um, the old locomotives that we have today can be seen as vehicles, full, full pun intended there, to teach us about the rich history that they have seen. And I don't think you it's really too like off- puns. I never noticed, but yeah. <laughs> I was in a good mood writing this script. So, uh, <laughs> I was in a joyous mood writing about trains. <laughs> and so puns there are, are joyous. There are a lot of fun little things for me in there. Yeah, it's true. That's You know I'm in a good mood if I make a lot of puns. <laughs> if I'm in a bad mood, there'll be no puns. <laughs> no puns. But I don't think it's too off base to assume that everyone has wondered what life was like for our ancestors. I mean, your great grandparents, your grandparents can all tell you stories about their childhood, but you never truly know what life was like in, say, the 1950s. And for me, I really enjoy learning about ro- local railroads and uh, what some of the big power players in Cincinnati were during those years. And where were the tracks? Some rails in Ohio were laid as early as 1836 on routes that are still used today. The owners might have changed, the trains that travel over the tracks might have changed, but the scenery along those rails remains the same view as it was almost 150 years ago. Very cool. So there's this uh, there's this word that was made up or coined or something like that, but it's called animoia. And it's a word coined by the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, which means nostalgia for a time that you've never known. Hmm. Maybe you guys have felt this before. But like the 60s or 70s or 80s? Yeah, you're like, I could go back there and probably make a pretty good living. I, you know, I'd be all right. Yeah. Sure. Maybe. I'd just go back for a week. If I had a time machine, I'd just go anywhere for a week and then come back. Be right. Like you wouldn't want to stay there. Yeah. You walked into this one, so I'm going to do a quick little um, little side. Oh. But my favorite train is the Back to the Future train that doubles oh. as a time machine. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I challenge yeah. you to figure out what train that was. <laughs> I could look it up. I could tell you. <laughs> Let me know I'd later. tell you. <laughs> Trains of that era in the, in the Wild West did not ever go 88 miles an hour. So get that. <laughs> it was physically well, that's not possible. hugely disappointing. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of facts that are disappointing. Um, anyways. Oh, are fun. monorails trains? I Sure. Why not? <laughs> I'm just asking, trains? like, is there... Is, 
like, is it an umbrella term or is it like a specific thing and monorails are a specific thing? That's, that's for the people that are like really into this. I don't, I don't put a definition on it, but I'd say, yeah, sure. They're trains. Okay. Locomosexuals can decide that. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Cause I was just thinking about that train that, you know, goes really, really fast. Oh, the maglev? Yeah. Maglev. Yeah. So. Big fast train. If you want to get technical about it, it's not physically on rails. But I will say that because it's hovering above something that it needs to move forward, then yes, it would be a train. Well, your opinion's the only one that matters to me, so <laughs> you're you're the train authority in my life. I'm the train authority. <laughs> it's uh I like that. I will put that feather in my cap. That's nice. Uh <laughs> someone said that about me the other day, but with stuffed animals. So I think we all deserve some titles. Yeah. Wow. I have to do an episode on that. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I don't think I could. <laughs> oh, somebody on Twitch just said he trained this his whole life for this moment. <laughs> it's Hamilton. Oh, it's <laughs> Hamilton. I love that. I did. Sorry, I had to. This. I had to interrupt our recorded podcast to give you live update on the comment <laughs> section because that was worth it. It was. was so worth it. That's awesome. I, I have trained my entire life for this. I didn't know it. I didn't know I was going to be doing a podcast in 2021, but here we are. Damn it, here we are. <laughs> Who'd have thought? You know? Who'd have thunk it? Not me. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> uh, Animoya is something that I can say that I've certainly felt before, believe it or not. It's not because I'm a time traveler from the 40s, Alex, but some days, <laughs> some days I wish I was. Do you think that I am? Do you think that, that I am? That's very pointed. You think I am? Huh? Do you think that I am? Because no. you sounded like you thought that I was a time traveler from the forties. <laughs> I could see it, maybe. Me? I'm not. I'm not trying to sling ag- accusations here. Nah, not me. Okay, pick Couldn't a time been. period. That's where you're from. I think 1990s is when <laughs> I'm from. Mm, likely story. Yeah, <laughs> I got the papers, dog. And the papers. Tamagotchis. <laughs> Where's my Tamagotchi? he's dead dead. probably dead yeah perhaps a symptom of this animoia is the quest for knowledge about this mysterious place known as the past the past is always kind of shrouded in this layer of static gray mist with glimmers of black and white photographs punctuated by stories that people tell the physical things of the past has left for us to discover are the most important things that i'd say because they're physical objects that existed before the time that you were alive. And I think that's that's pretty special in and of itself. I mean, looking around my room, I don't really think there's a whole lot of things that I can say existed before I did, which is kind of a strange thing. But you can kind of feel the same connection if you go to any history museum and you see like a, a sarcophagus of a mummy or something like that. You're like, wow, that's existed for 5,000 years. You can't even think about that time period in your head. Like, yeah, you get it. 5,000 years. But then you start thinking about, oh, this is like I don't know, a hundred lifetimes ago. Right. And then you put that in the human perspective and that's a long time. So time is really hard to grasp, but it feels easier because we have these museums that are like, this is exactly how long ago it was. And here's what it looked like. Yeah. And maybe if you're looking at a particular uh, train or locomotive or tool or something like that, you can be like, well, this is what this tool was used for. Like a hammer and chisel from the ancient Egypt. uh, Oh, that's how they built the pyramids. There wasn't ancient aliens or anything like that they just chiseled the rock out Ooh, alien denier <laughs> <laughs> alien denier you're you're 
your explanation of how they built the pyramids holds no water. But let's continue. <laughs> Aliens how they etched their little hieroglyphs. Yeah. Aliens. Yes. Agreed. Had to, had to be. Had to be. Uh, <laughs> it didn't have to be, though. Is the thing. You know what? Let's just talk about trains. We'll talk okay. about <laughs> aliens some other time. I'm trying to... Th- are there any alien trains? Uh, I don't know if there's a connection between those two, but I tried. I thought about it for a whole two seconds. <laughs> really well, I'm going to find one and make you look like a fool. <laughs> okay. Live on air. <laughs> Do you think that objects around us have stories to tell? Because I think Obviously. so. Obviously, yeah. Like the, the products you buy, the stuff in your, your cabinet chips like i was hungry at the store that's how i bought these chips but then it's like well what into what went into making these chips why did the company make these chips and you can go on down so many times when i'm planning my episodes for this podcast that's the exact line of thinking i go down Hmm. for like that's like my uh that's like my recipe for an entertain this episode is what's a thing that i like now what's the story of how it came to be yeah Exactly. And that's that's how I, you know, how I write this show. So, yeah, of course, everything has a story, you know. Yeah. And I think that, you know, researching that story can give you insight into the past and history and all that. Um, but, you know, it's just inductive thinking, I think, is the name for it. But part of the designer in me gets a little tickle about realizing how closely form follows function in regards to railroading. And then realizing that the various interplays of the two factors are are more of a dial. You can see things swings from clearly functional yet not visually appealing to almost sculpture-like but not really all that functional. And I think this is evidenced best by the streamlining of locomotives in the 30s and 40s. If you've ever seen one of those, I'd recommend you look them up because they're pretty cool. That's where we get the word streamlining, of course. If you wanted something streamlined, that means you put this uh, aerodynamic casing over top of what is underneath, thus making it appear faster. But of course it's not. Before you, before you, if you go to any of these locomotive museums, is an object that has existed in its current form long before even your parents were born. You can't know everything about that object or everything that it's seen, but you do know some things, and what little you know can help form a narrative of all the design work that went into it, all the 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 railroads' objectives that they had at the time. Like they wanted to pull a coal train up the mountain. What do we got to do? We got to design a new locomotive with these giant wheels and this uh, awesome power and, and all this. So I'd say that every piece of railroad equipment has a story to tell, whether it's the tracks, the engines, the tools, the physical buildings that were left behind and standing after all those years, I think everything can really tell its own story. And I think that's part of what makes railroad so appealing to me. So now we go to this next section of why railroads are important to America. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know, I know, I know. Yes. Yes, Alex. I at least know one point, if What's I may. That? Go ahead, uh, no, please. Railroads helped uh, the North win the Civil War. Very much so, yeah. And it was one of the reasons why most of the railroads were built in America. Abraham Lincoln was like, build more railroads, get more <laughs> stuff to my men. And they were like, yes, sir. Abraham and Lincoln, did it. first rail fan. <laughs> he probably was. He was way into them. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like their primary intention is transporting goods to yep. other places economically. Yes. It is It is wild that we speak of trains almost in the same way that we speak of, like, 
Renaissance paintings like and a like printing press, Da Vinci, <laughs> something that just well, doesn't happen. That, oh, look at even this. that! Like it's wild that we talk about a printing press or trains. Like trains are older than a printing press, but um, it's it's wild that we talk about them like they're so old when like they've only been around for such a short period of time, and we as people have just advanced so quickly past trains that it now feels like they're obsolete. But, like, trains are one of the things that built America. Like, it's what connected us to everybody else in the country. We're a huge country in comparison to a lot of other countries in the world. And trains were one of the main reasons why we stayed connected in a time where, like, cars and planes didn't exist. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, put a pin in that thought because we'll get back to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, wait before we get too far away. Um, I I looked up Alien Train and oh, got? I learned a fun fact. Um, Ridley Scott, the guy who made Alien, was supposed yep. to make a movie with this guy named H.R. Geiger about an alien train that had a face and teeth. I dropped the link in the chat. Enjoy. I'm it was horrified. the greatest movie that never was. I. Okay, I doubt that, but well, maybe. I'll click on that link. Uh, what about Ghost Train? That was a, about a ghost train. Do you and mean that's Ghost Train? Kind of ship? like an alien. No, there was a Ghost Train too. Oh no, it's a series. I don't, I don't know if they're connected, but for sure they're both vehicles. Hey, and then there was it. the other, the Ghost Car one, and that's not called Ghost Car. It's called something else. And that let's give it back to Nick. He has a Stephen script. King movie about the the killer car. <laughs> oh, uh, what was that called? Knight Rider. No, she's got like a female name. Here's oh. a fun fact for you. Did you know there's a D and D setting that's a ghost train? What? That fun fact comes to you from my DM Hamilton. Thanks, Hamilton. Now back to your regularly scheduled train talk. <laughs> we're we're gonna avoid that in the future. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> Project Dicosa coming next year. Oh, Christine. <laughs> That's the Stephen King movie about the killer car. Oh. Cool. And then Stephen King also made that children's book called Charlie the Choo Choo or something. I want to talk about American history and trains. <laughs> I demand it. Okay. okay, we're getting to it. Uh, as you know, I'm the resident armchair U.S. history guy on this podcast. So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't go into a little bit about our country's fasc- fascination or maybe... Uh, reliance on railroads uh pick your word there but the the thing is that u.s history and railroads are so closely intertwined that um i don't think you can say anything is more american than than a railroad i happen to like u.s history because it's something that you can quote unquote see from your backyard and you don't have to travel very far to see some railroad track at all because they're everywhere especially in indiana um (laughs) nice little plug there for that state (laughs) but it's part of what makes us americans all these things happen before our time and influence us today, whether we know it, believe it or, or not. Uh, there's an old saying that I keep repeating on this podcast for some reason, but those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. Or history often doesn't repeat, it often rhymes. So beyond the fact that they played a huge role in forming our nation and helping the North win the Civil War, trains can be used as vehicles not only for history, but they can tell stories too. Railroads have kind of captured the imagination of songwriters and artists alike. There's songs like uh, Casey Jones, The Wabash Cannonball, Orange Blossom Special, The Chattanooga Choo Choo, and Waiting for a Train, just to name a few. And if you guys are down, I'd like to go into a little bit of history behind the story of Casey Jones. Does that, that sound uh, interesting? The, the YouTuber? Does vlogs? No, 
<laughs> is that a guy, Casey Neistat? Casey Jones, yes. Neistat. That's, that's Casey. Name. That's Casey Neistat. Casey's Neistat. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a train. Uh, so John Luther Casey Jones. Um, before I get into this, let me let me just do a a shout out on the podcast here because originally I was going to tell this story on one of the other podcasts in our in our network called um, called Myth Stories, and I was going to tell them the story of all about John Luther Casey Jones. Um, but I never got to tell this story. So now you have to suffer through it today. But <laughs> this man was known. He was an American uh, engineer, a railroader who was killed when his passenger train collided with a stalled train in Vaughn, Mississippi. Jones was an engineer for the Illinois Central Railroad based in Memphis, Tennessee, Jackson, Mississippi, and a couple other places too. That's where he worked out of. But he was noted for his exceptionally punctual schedules, which sometimes required a degree of risk. So he was a risk taker, but he was always on time. And that was not a factor in his uh, journey that did eventually kill him. But he was due to run the southbound passenger service from Memphis to Canton, Mississippi. And a quick side note about passenger service is that you have to work your way up through the ranks. So you start out like coupling cars or something like that. And then eventually you get promoted to uh, driving freight locomotives and eventually up to passengers. So this is a prestigious job. You're hauling passengers across the state. So he departs at 1135. It's pretty late in the night. Owing to an engineer absence, he had to take over another service throughout the day, which may have deprived him of sleep. This is before the interstate commerce kind of regulated all this. So engineers were regularly pull 24 hour days. Kind of uh, risky. This is why we it. invented unions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That and child labor. Well, yeah. <laughs> he eventually departed 75 minutes late. So he was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to make up time for this. With a powerful new 10-wheeler engine number 382 known as the Cannonball, he approached Vaughn, Mississippi at high speed. He was unaware that three trains were occupying the station in front of him and one of them was broken down directly on the line. Some yep. claim that he might have ignored the flagman signaling to him, though this person may have been out of sight of a tight bend, obscured by fog. Jones had managed to avert a potentially disastrous crash through his exceptional skill at slowing down the engine and saving the lives of the passengers at the cost of his own. For this, he was immortalized in the traditional song that we know and love today, The Ballad of Casey Jones. He was said to have died with a hand on the whistle and a hand on the brake. So he was going down with the ship. He had to do everything he could to slow down the train before it smacked into the stalled train in the station. So hmm. pretty cool. Pretty cool guy. He died? He's dead. He I died. Mean, did he die that night? Oh, yeah. Did I miss that part of the story? Uh, probably. I'm sorry. I probably didn't say it. But yeah, he smacked into the train. He's dead. Oh, God. He didn't stop it then. He stopped he it as much the, as he could. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. Okay. He stopped it as much as he could. If he hadn't have, the train might've been going at maybe 60 when he stopped, it was maybe 30. So a lot less energy upon right. impact, of course. So, I mean, he mm. saved their lives. He just sacrificed his own in the process. Yeah. Great, that's, great guy. Yeah. That's a hero. Uh, that's a hero. If I ever heard one. Yeah. So back to the, back to the U S history portion of this, um, I think we've been over this a little bit, but railroads exist for a very specific purpose. You have these people and things at point A, and you need to move them to point B. The Romans built roads for this purpose. The Dutch had canals, but America, we built railroads. And they're better at canals than moving things, as the canal men quickly found out in the 1830s. But 
just because we did their best with the technology that we could. That's really what it comes down to. The first railroads in this country were named after the two locations they were wanting to connect. So for instance, you have the Baltimore and Ohio. It started in Baltimore, went to the Ohio River, or Ohio itself. Uh, you had the Norfolk and Western, because they wanted to start in Norfolk, Virginia and go west. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just uh, That was a lot of uh, obsession with uh, America during that time. We just wanted to go West. I don't care where it is. We're going West. And you had the Chesapeake in Ohio, uh, Delaware and Hudson, Louisville and Nashville, or simply they were named after the location where they were founded. For instance, you have the Pennsylvania Railroad, the New York Central, just to name a couple of those. And then later on, we have the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad in 1867. And it bound these two coasts of America together with steel rails further reinforcing the power of our federal government to unite all the states into one union. Because without it, who knows, we could have had a a second civil war between East and West. I mean, that's just how much land we're talking about here. We have like, what, a thousand or so miles in between the East and West Coast, like New York to Los Angeles. That's a, that's a far distance. There's a big strip of it that's just like forest and or desert. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have a big country for for all you European uh, listeners out there. I think we have a couple. So let me just go into a little bit of, uh, if you don't already believe me about railroads being influencing uh, an influencing force behind U.S. history, there are all these railroad idioms and their meaning, which permeate our speech every day. So I think we've even named a couple right off the bat. There is getting off track, you know, <laughs> getting derailed, both two things that you don't want to train to do when you're on it, that's for sure. Um, blowing off steam. Blowing off steam. That comes from... Uh, when a steam locomotive would build up too much pressure in its boiler, uh, because it's important to think about these steam locomotives as uh, tea kettles on wheels, pretty much, because they boil Chugging water. Chugging along. That's I did adorable. One. Chugging along, that's another one. But uh, if they had too much boiler pressure, they would blow off steam. They blow off steam to lower the boiler pressure and keep it safe. Because if you don't, you don't have that release, it'll, it'll blow up and kill everyone. True story. That actually happened a couple of times. Ooh. But ah. yeah, kind of, kind of scary. There's backtrack, fast track, railroaded, derailed, don't get sidetracked, on the right track, on the wrong track, one track mine, off track, keeping, staying on the track. Uh, Other side of the tracks. Other side of the tracks. Which is generally (laughs) negative. Which has problematic racial origins for sure. Um, Yes. There's make the grade. You guys have ever heard that? Yeah. So hills on railroads are called grades and they're usually ranked by like percentage or so. Mm -hmm. But if a train could make the grade, then it could go over the hill. That makes sense. They could, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's all there is to it. Uh, there's whistle stop tour. You guys might have heard that before, but it's making a stop at all the stations along the uh, along the railroad. There's fired up, having previous origins to starting a steam locomotive, perhaps popping off, which is in the same <laughs> vent as letting off steam. It doesn't mean anything dirty. I promise. <laughs> no, it's just it's a funny modern turn of phrase. Oh, I'm popping off. Pop off, sis. <laughs> there's a uh, blowing smoke mm-hmm. which, which you know obviously steam train you get the big old smoke coming out of the smoke stack Blow, blowing your stack you guys heard that before well that one's definitely dirty oh no 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 <laughs> <laughs> it refers to as I said before boiler explosions which did happen a lot in early railroading tunnel vision light at the end of the tunnel I don't need to explain that hopefully uh, streamlined. There's jerk water, which is one that I wasn't aware of, but 
No, don't. <laughs> no, no, no. What about uh? What about screeching halt? That could be one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not what I listed here, but it certainly could be. I could see how that would be a a railroad origin. Makes sense. Jerk water doesn't mean anything dirty. It means uh, it means something small or inferior. Hmm. And it comes from a jerk water train, uh, which was not on the main line or the main rails. Uh, these trains would often have to stop in towns. They were very small. They didn't even have a water tank. So one of the things you need for a steam locomotive is water, of course. So the crew would have to get out and using a pump, they'd, they'd jerk the water out of the ground um, and get it into the train. It's just a little guy. Yeah. Jerk water. Um, bells and whistles. You guys have heard of this, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a reference to the Central Pacific Company that had 30 locomotives gaily decked ranging from the city front um, to the signal of a gun announcing the driving of the last spike on the road. Uh, the locomotive said a chorus of whistles and all the bells and the steam whistles in the city joined. So basically it was, I think the completion of the transcontinental railroad where this, they had all these whistles going off and all these bells. It was a, a big celebration. Basically that's the ticket. You guys have heard that. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Double header. You guys might assume this is in relation to sports games. Nope. It started (laughs) as a railroad train having two engines at the front. Well, there's still some debate on whether the baseball term came before fireworks or trains, but doubleheader trains were hugely controversial at the time, if you can believe that, in 1877. Being able to take twice as many cars in the same trip, they were used as a cost-cutting measure because railroad operators could have fewer conductors and fewer brakemen on the same train but it resulted in much more work for the uh, remaining crew and it was far more dangerous because you had to coordinate these two engines pulling this exceedingly longer train. Their forced introduction coupled with a wage cut led to widespread rioting in 1877. So riots used to be a big thing back in American history. If, if, if one company screwed up, they didn't do something right. It's like, Oh, instant riot. <laughs> <laughs> Smash their windows, light something on fire. Show them by force. Let's go. (laughs) Sabotage. You might not know this, but it actually comes from the practice of striking French railway workers of cutting the sabot or the metal shoe that held the railroad tracks in place on the tie. This word appears in English in 1910 and it's early use refers to specifically refers to uh, French railroad strikers. So sabotage. Of course, sabotage is a French sabotage. word. Sabotage. <laughs> There's just a couple other railway idioms here. There's train wreck, as in this project was a train wreck. There's freight train, or as in it hit me like a freight train. Mm-hmm. End of the line is it? It's the end of the line for you, buddy. <laughs> so that's all the railroad idioms I have. Nice. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. I did. Maybe you can sound cool at a party and you can be like, well, actually, this originates from. This might be a dumb question to ask you, but have you ever played the game Ticket to Ride? Actually, no. I've always seen it, but nobody wanted to play with me. So, Aw, it's actually it. fun, even if you don't care about trains. But what if I do? <laughs> then you're going to love it. <laughs> I would like to uh, suggest a game where we go around in a circle and we see how long we can go without not being able to name a train from pop culture, any train. So for example, I'll start crazy train. Oh, I have to keep saying something that references. A yeah. Train. Now it's, now it's your turn. 
I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't think of it. fast, huh? I got derailed. I'm sorry. Nice. <laughs> Shall I try again? What What do you got? Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's just start with the band Train. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You took the two that I was going to do. I was going to be like, okay. oh, Ozzy, crazy train. Yeah. Um. There is a line of dialogue in Animal Crossing when you're talking to a peppy villager where they're like, I was watching this show um, where Maglev Mike took their relationship off the rails. And then they're like, you don't want to hear about this anyway. <laughs> Maglev Mike. Yeah. Mm. It's like a reality okay. show in their world. <laughs> no, I can see that. I want to watch it now. It's pretty cute. I want to see all the train things. <laughs> I can't believe that the game I suggested only lasted us. We had two rounds. <laughs> And in both rounds, I named one thing, and then Nick, the train man, I guess I'm couldn't just name a second train. I don't know. It's hard for me to like think about. Yeah, you're right recontextualizing now. his whole thing here. Yeah, <laughs> I have a one track mind. Come on, man. This is crazy. Nice, crazy train. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of the end of the line, uh, I have to mention the sad stories of the railroad's demise because, as you know. I can't just hop on a train and go see you guys down in Kentucky. That that doesn't exist. Um, trains used to be how we got places. Uh, think about it. There there was a time without highways. There was a time without I-75 and 275 and 64 and all those other roads. And there weren't airplanes either. So how do you get places? What are you going to do? Walk? You're going to take a horse and buggy? Uh-uh. You're going to take a train. So railroads used to be like the airlines are today. Uh, you pack up all your stuff, you throw it in an overhead bin, you'd sit back while the train sped down the tracks. Now, if railroads were still around today, I'd like to imagine that I could hop on a train and go anywhere I want. And I'd enjoy the heck out of it. Maybe I wouldn't be as, as obsessed with it because it'd be mundane at that point, but I don't know. I like to dream about that sometimes. <laughs> so you get this thing called the interstate highway system that comes into play after World War II. The returning GIs from Germany saw all those autobahns over there and we thought, you know what? We should we should build those here too, because those seem like a pretty good idea. I'm going to do it here. So Dwight D. Eisenhower kind of spearheaded this, President Dwight uh, Eisenhower. Um, there had been previous attempts to build highways too, and I should mention those, but they weren't really successful. They weren't as widespread. They didn't have enough funding behind them. So Uncle Sam said, hey, uh, railroads, thanks for helping us win the war. Now uh, we're going to build these highways and run you out of business. Is that cool? No? Okay, we're going to do it anyway. I highly doubt there was any sort of malice involved in uh, towards railroads at the time, but sometimes we really can't see the outcomes of our audacious goals in our typical American fashion. But highways kind of changed the way Americans moved. Uh, passengers no longer filled the the trains from coast to coast. Goods and freight revenues were uh, largely supplanted by trucking. Imagine, you know, you see if you go out on the highway, you can see all these semis going down the down the road, and they're taking traffic from trains. Believe it or not. That's how we kind of how we ship goods across the country. And there's a whole bunch of economic reasons for why that is. Like they're on time, you can decide where they go and all this. But the decline of railroads and really the decline of steam engines occur almost at the same time. You get this shifting of diesel locomotives as a cost-saving measure initially, and steam just couldn't keep up. The US industry at this time had internal combustion motors down pat. You think of like GE gets all this funding to develop these new tanks for World War II and they, they're like, oh, well, we, we got this diesel thing. Why don't we just put it in a train? So eventually they do and 
railroads are like, that's a lot better than steam. And it is by a large, by a large amount, but railroads had to scrap these steam locomotives merely for the value of the steel to try and make a little money with these aging behemoths that were sitting around in their yards. So, and hearing all this happen today, it's a small miracle that we have any steam locomotives that are still existing today because railroads were scrapping them left and right. At one point, I think I read in a book that there was uh, 70,000 steam locomotives at the end of World War II. Nowadays, there might be like 500, maybe, that are still in existence. So um, it's it's a huge miracle that people are pres- preserving these today for us to go look at. I think that's great. And as a response to this, as a as a weird kind of byproduct of, of sorts, the railroads made films touting all the good they did for America during the 50s to try and get some government money, almost asking for a bailout with uh, their hat handed out like, please, Uncle Sam, give us some money. But a lot of these railroads, they made films, they made basically propaganda films about, oh, we're so great, we're efficient and all this. And they're on YouTube today. And I love to watch those videos. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> they're great time capsules to show the way that things were back then. Speaking of train movies, one of my favorite train-related American history facts is one of the very first movies was footage of a train pulling into a station. And as really? people were watching this movie, they started to like freak out and scream. They were like, the train's going to hit us. And then it went <laughs> past the screen and they were like, oh, it's a movie. Oh. Okay. I assume the train was like coming right at the screen. Like, it was like, it's a little bit of a close <laughs> angle because it still like pulls away afterward. Oh, but, yeah. you know, people didn't understand what movies were. So they were just like, ah, it's big and it's coming right for us. <laughs> Trains are really celebrated. People took a lot of pride in them at the time. So people forget that nowadays. And I think that's, you know, part of the entertainment value of learning about all this stuff. So the government did eventually offer these suffering railroads a helping hand because they're like, Oh, these highways are kind of putting them out of business. We should help them out a little bit. But <laughs> as always, the government moves too little and too late as is often the case. Relief did come in the form of Conrail or consolidated railroads. Uh, it was a kind of like this government run organization in the late seventies. But by this time, many railroads were dead in the water they couldn't do much without cash. They couldn't do much without revenue. And then, by the late 90s, railroads are out of government bankruptcy and returning to profitability by hauling freight across the country. You might know some of these names, as you can see them on when you get stopped by <laughs> a train when you're late for work and you see these names, you're like, oh, those Norfolk and Southern, those CSX people. Maybe you curse them, I don't know. I'm always happy when I get stopped by a train, but that's just me. You also work from home. I also work from home, <laughs> so I don't, I don't have to commute anywhere. <laughs> Fortunately, that's going to change soon, but we'll get to that. So trains today, they exist, believe it or not. The little bit <laughs> They do. exist here in America. They can be entertainment. Largely, they're not used as a means of transportation in the U.S., but rather as entertainment. And yes, you can say there's Amtrak, but they only have like a few lines. And they're always there, late. And nobody likes them. But <laughs> there is one Amtrak train that comes to Cincinnati, and it yep. only comes one day of the week at like 2 a.m. Yep. That train's called the Cardinal. Hmm. And it comes at Union Terminal, which is a huge railroad hub. Huge. All the railroads stopped in Cincinnati right at Union Terminal. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a little local history thing for me. But yeah. Amtrak, not great. <laughs> I wish it was better. I really do. Uh, riding an Amtrak is, of course, on my bucket list, and I will do it before I kick the bucket, hopefully. But many rail fans, like me, like to focus on steam locomotives. 
as seen by the attendants uh, at stations to view these steam-hauled rail tours. The, the appeal of trains is nostalgic, recalling an earlier era when railroads played a central role in commerce and transportation. And there's a station at the center of every town. I can name like five different railroad towns around here today. Because you can kind of see it in the layout of the streets and all that. It's all centered around one particular building, mm. which was the station. The appeal is due to the fondness for large machinery, perhaps, that can be inspected and photographed up close. There's also something called live steam modeling or backyard or garden railroading where people basically take big old steam engines and shrink them down into these tiny little things that you can ride on, which I think is really cool. There's model railroading, which I hit on before with Rod Stewart's collection, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which is, I've, I've decided that's going to be my retirement project when I do eventually retire. So Absolutely. I'm this massive model railroad and Natalie's going to get really angry at me for it. So, <laughs> Well, just let her have like a little section of it. That's just hers. Yeah. She, she can, can like, like put in a garden or something. Yeah. She can sew or something. <laughs> Do whatever old woman hobbies is. I have old man hobbies. I'll admit it. <laughs> but <laughs> said the guy who just we... did an episode on train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been to a number of different places. I have to, I have to put this list together and it's, it's pretty long. I've been to a lot of places to look at trains. <laughs> this might be a sad thing, but I view it as a happy thing because I've been to all these places to look at or ride their trains. Right down the street from my house, there's the Lebanon Mason Monroe Railroad, where I saw and rode the Lehigh Valley Coal Number uh, 126, which is a touring steam locomotive that travels the country on a flatbed truck. It's kind of ironic in the grand scheme of things that a locomotive could be carried around on a the very thing that killed it, a truck, but anyways. <laughs> It'd be like that. It'd be like that. <laughs> I've been to the Georgetown Loop Railroad in Colorado, which is by far the most scenic ride that I've ever been on. They ran they ran a steam locomotive up an incline of like 500 feet with these 100-foot tall bridges through the Rocky Mountains. It's all, so good. <laughs> also, while in Colorado, uh, when I was out there a couple years ago, I, I went and saw the Colorado Railroad Museum out in Boulder. I saw some trains. Always a good day when I see some trains, mm -hmm. but it's interesting to note the subtle differences in, in steam locomotive design between Eastern railroads and Western railroads. It's uh, the trained eye can see this very well. <laughs> There's the Cincinnati Mail, uh, Museum, Cincinnati Museum Center downtown, which is also known as Union Terminal. And they have their holiday train show, which I go to see every year. So um, <laughs> that's probably where you can find me any day. They have a large amount of model trains. It's, it's really great. Fans of the show, I'd encourage you to Google that. It's something to see. This massive concrete dome and the Art Deco architecture. Just... <laughs> and then I've been to the Age of Steam Roundhouse. I did a quick this on that. They have 19 preserved steam locomotives. I think three or two of which run currently. I've been to the Henry Ford Museum to see the largest steam locomotive in existence, which is pretty cool. It's a subject of debate whether... It's the largest or not, but it's neither here nor there. I've been to Entertainment Junction over there in Westchester, Ohio, which if you haven't been, it's it's a giant model railroad. Like, I don't know how many square feet it is, but it's it's quite something to see. Probably going to go there. You still have to take us to that. Oh, you're going. <laughs> you're going. That's <laughs> Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. I'll pay for your tickets and everything. I don't care. <laughs> and I also went on the Cincinnati Dinner Train. Uh, with friend of the show, John Kincaid, and we ate dinner on a moving train, which is probably the most fun I've ever had on a train, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I 
then I've been to Big South Fork Scenic Railroad near uh, Cumberland, Kentucky. I've been to the more recently the Illinois Railroad Museum to see some of their trains. And almost on a weekly basis, as weather permits, I like to ride my bike on the Little Miami Bike Trail, which you guessed it was once an active railroad. So, <laughs> <laughs> really, it's all around us, and all we have to do is put on these rose-colored glasses to see that yes, there was actually history here, and railroads were this big deal. And I hope that. Some people recognize that, but in conclusion, the railroads of days past have touched our lives in many ways that we might not even realize, and the hobby of rail fanning aims to keep this memory alive. You too can take a trip back in time on any number of scenic railroads that dot the country, and if you're lucky enough to be a European, just know that I'm very jealous of you riding around on your trains to go places, but here, if you're around the Cincinnati area and you want to go see some trains with me, hit us up. Send us an email. I if we can get in contact. <laughs> because if there's one thing every rail fan wants to do, it's to share this hobby, this rich culture of rail fanning with another person. And hopefully that's what I've done today. I've shared my love of trains with you, the listener. So thanks for listening and thanks for riding along this train with me. Well done. Nice. What is what do people say when they get off trains? I don't know. There's all aboard, but what do you say at the end of a journey? Bon voyage. Hey, give me your ticket. Okay, okay, here it is, Conductor Alex. I'm sorry. All right. Okay, what does it say? Hold on. Damn, this is a big ticket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, what does it say? Come on, you can read it. It's right there. Um, so that's a, a D, yep. and you already knew you had that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the E that you had right there. Those are old. And then I put it there next to it, a second E. And a Z, and then the N, and then that's the U that you had, D's, and then T S. These nuts. That's what it says. These nuts, huh? And I gotta, I gotta finish this train episode by asking you the legendary question. Oh, what's that? Hey, Nick. Huh? Do you like trains? <laughs> I do like trains. <laughs> Confirmed. Do you like trains? I do. All right. I do like those well, trains. Uh, we we have a quick this this week. It is it is my honor. Um, will it be five minutes? Who's to say? But let's get the timer up and Hopefully we can start. The timer. I'm ready. It's been a while since we've done this, isn't it? Go. It's been a little bit. Um, so I am passionate about a lot of things. Uh, and I often use those passions in the quick this in different ways i think one of the very first quick this that i did was a rant like i got really mad and i was yelling it, it was like bad that. yeah you know what it, if 2020 taught us anything it was to spend some time with yourself and to figure out better ways of coping with angry things or things that make you angry things that uh help you help you deal with things um I feel a certain responsibility on this podcast, being that we are a sort of time capsule for entertainment. I feel like we're kind of a voice for entertainment. I hope you guys would agree. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like it would be it would be wrong to not talk about something that's happening in entertainment. That upsets me. But I'm trying to better myself. So uh, I wrote a song about it and I'm going to play it. What? And I hope that you guys will like it. Musical guests, uh, Alex Steele on the guitar for That's us. That's right. I hope it's still tuned. I hope that I still remember this. Uh, but here we go. We'll auto tune it. 
don't know what else to say. Thought it was a joke. Andy Dwyer as Star-Lord. You bet that I was stoked. Then the Lego movie sounded like a blast. I really lost my shit when I heard who was cast. Now looking back on a time so bright, somehow we lost track. Somehow you lost sight, Chris Pratt. What are you doing? Can't you see your career is in ruin? You can't. Say yes to every part. You must have lost your way. Wish we could restart. <laughs> now I hear you're Mario, and that's not cool. <laughs> Can't put my finger on why I don't like you. Maybe it's the parties with underage teens or supporting churches against the LGBTs. Wondering what happened when you fell in that pit. You went in a hero and now you smell like shit. Chris Pratt. What are you doing? Have to call Daddy Terminator when I'm through and I mean no hate. It's a well-known list. You hit the bottom of you've become the worst famous Chris. Bill Murray called and you can keep that I love that. I'm not I'm not a great guitar player, but I feel like I got my that point. That was a across. whole ass song. <laughs> that was amazing. Hey, how much time is left in the quick this? A minute. All right, hey, you, Chris Pratt, just come on, man. That's always going to end. It's not me saying I don't It's not me saying I don't like the guy. I mean, I don't like the guy, but he can still pull it around, you know? That's all. That's all I'm saying. I like that. That's a good outlet for your uh, angry energies. The devil works hard, yeah, but Chris Pratt's um, agent works harder. You know, we used to joke that it was like Nick Cage would accept any role, like no matter what. But honestly, Chris Pratt literally can be offered anything to be like, yeah, sure. He's turning into and the Scar Joe of Hollywood, which I also hate. It's not great. Uh, get him a body bag from Hamilton. <laughs> Feels like a respectful way to uh, wrap it up to end my quick this. Yep, so, you killed him. Uh, thank you R. guys R. so much for listening. <laughs> thank you for watching. If that's what you chose to do, thank you to Chloe who stepped in on behalf of our sickly Michael. She did a great job. Thank you. Uh, as always, if you like the show, if you like what you're listening to, if you have something in entertainment that we haven't covered yet that you want us to look into, hey, we're always looking for new hint, things. Hint, Hamilton. Shoot us in. Hint, hint, Hamilton. <laughs> Shoot us an email. Uh, like our that. email is entertain this podcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website www.entertainthis.net and there is a little little survey you can fill out at the bottom of the page uh, and it'll send it straight to us it's much easier that way there's also a couple of other ways you can get in contact with us first off our twitter is entertain underscore this or you can find us on instagram we are entertain this podcast we also have a facebook page it is podcast entertain this you find us on youtube entertain this with the three dots You'll know our logo. You'll know our uh, our style, our trend, the motions that we bend. 
Chris Pratt, please don't sue me. And we'll see you guys next Friday. Choo-choo. Whatever you say when you get off a train. <laughs> this episode of Entertainment was written by me, Nick Westakangas, with additional commentary from Chloe Price and Alex Steele. Our theme music is Rushable by Aaron Spencer, with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.